Welcome to the Create What You Speak podcast. Join me as we have a real life discussion on how to change your life by changing your thoughts. Remember, question everything, trust yourself, and find your truth. Welcome to the Create What You Speak podcast. My name is Sloan Fremont, and I'm your host. Today, we're going to journey into the underworld and understand what that, what that is, what it means, what it can offer you, and the importance of building a relationship with it. Joining me today is Dr. Joanna Laprady, author of the book, Forged in Darkness, The Many Paths of Personal Transformation. This book is about learning how your experiences of hardship and moments of darkness resonate with different mythic underworld journeys through opening a world of myth, psychology, storytelling, dreams, and symbolism. It invites you to treat the inevitable darkness of life as a forge of transformation and growth. Joanna, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start out by telling the audience just a little bit about yourself and what led you to write Forged in Darkness. So, um, I have a doctorate in Jungian psychology and have a private practice in my hometown where I live in Colorado. And, um, I do some education. Um, I've taught at colleges and have done, you know, various lectures kind of in different institutions and, um, this book is kind of comes in a few iterations. It's kind of hard to know when it starts as I'm sure many things of creation kind of move in that way. Right. Um, it comes out of my own underworld experiences and kind of, um, and, and by underworld, I, I, in the book, I kind of handled in two ways. I, I think I'm referring to both the kind of deep parts of our inner beings. So the kind of inaccessible parts of ourselves, the unconscious parts of ourselves that are oftentimes, hard to access, thus kind of associated with that quality of depth, but, but also, you know, underworld as metaphor for the dark places in life, right. The, the moments in life where the light goes out and we have to orient ourselves in a different way. And, you know, the book really came out of my own experience in an underworld place and, and kind of how I felt what I noticed in that place, noticed in myself and noticed around me a lot, mostly of how people treated what people's message was, that kind of urgency that we have as a culture to, to fix, to solve, to pull out. And um, these ideas kind of just started percolating in me. And when I started my master's that then kind of bled into my doctoral work, the, the, the book's original iteration was my doctoral dissertation. And after that was finished, um, I got really lucky and worked with this wonderful editor and um, I felt I didn't want the book to just kind of die on an academic shelf yeah, and, you know, just be so highfalutin that not even I could probably read it anymore. (laughs) And um, so we transformed it for a period of time into this piece of literature that is really written for anyone that might be interested in these ideas. And, you know, it, it doesn't have that academic rigor anymore. And, and, um, I just couldn't, I don't know, the ideas still felt so important to me. And I think as I started working clinically, I started seeing them live themselves out in my practice. And so then it just, I couldn't, I couldn't give it up yet. And so it's kind of the, who knows that the potential last refinement of that kind of movement in my life. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't give it up because as the listeners know, I recently lost my dad and your book has really helped me understand, Mm -hmm. understand that, that 
underworld and understand how, how, how to understand it, but then also how to bring it into my own life instead of fighting it, pushing it away, trying to button it up. Like you mentioned, pretend it's not there, you know, only set a certain amount of time and then I should be okay. Right. And none of that is, is reality. And so in um, reading your book, as I said, it was a huge, it's been a huge help for me. It's, it's been um, a, a very difficult time, but what I think, what I think surprised me when I was reading it and, and as it applied to my own life was like the acceptance, allowing myself to accept the underworld where it, it, I think is, I'm sure most people spend most of their life fighting it. Yeah. So that was huge. Well, and, 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 you know, I think that's, that's so much of the heartbeat of the book because, you know, life will inevitably offer us the underworld. We don't get yeah. a choice. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you know, I, I once had somebody um, tell me, I think I was, ta- I was talking about a, a person in my life who had passed away and um, they were like, well, you know, you, you have the solution to, to never feeling this way again. And I was like, oh, what's that? And they're like, you just can't ever love again. and you know and it was it was really helpful and really beautiful and it's like we you can protect yourself from the underworld you won't get to live life right and and so here we are as this culture telling ourselves you know we are so impatient with it it's it's failure you know be be in control be strong be you know be perfect be fixed be happy and we're leaving this dimension out of our experience and you know, it's so ironically inhuman because, you know, Mm -hmm. our human history, some of the very first things we ever did as a species was bury our dead and relate Mm -hmm. to, you know, the under elements of life. And we've just moved so far away from that, but guess what? It's still here, right? We, people we love pass away parts of ourselves that we're afraid of surface, you know, life shifts us and we find ourselves in these dark places, but we have so little support in our culture and in ourselves for saying like, yeah, this is a place to be in. You, you have no choice. So what does that mean? Yeah. And I think what really helped me also, there's a lot of things throughout the book that helped me that were those little Click, I always describe things like, like where, where it resonates with me. It's like when you go to the eye doctor and they click the things down and you see clearer, you know, and mm-hmm. you, can, you can, that resonates with you. What really helped me was you, you talk about, I think towards the end of the book about understanding that when you go through the underworld, when you go through the darkness, you didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I, I felt in my situation that, you know, it's, it's very easy in, in anything, any sort of suffering or grief to go back and, well, if I only did this, or if mm-hmm. I only would have done that, right. And that, that understanding that I didn't do anything wrong, that this is part of life. This is part of living was, was huge for me. It was like it, that click in that clarity of that statement, mm-hmm. it brought so much relief and so much like mm-hmm. understanding that it, I think it helped me accept that I don't have to fight it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And, 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 and so meaningful for me, you know, to feel help. And and that's what I want this book to be about for people. Mm -hmm. You know, this book is not, it's not like our traditional self-help book that says, you know, here are 15 ways to change the way you think, you know, it's a self-awareness book. It's about noticing the ways in yourself that you respond as an individual to dark places so that you can learn to make meaning in them. You can learn to accept who you are in them, that you can kind of be 
open to, to what might be asked of you in those spaces or might just be happening that you don't have control over. Right. And that understanding ourselves in that space, in that, um, darkness, one of my patterns is, and probably like many others listening is to, you know, run away when I'm feeling, you know, hurt, wounded, whatever that might be. And what, and, and that's something that over the years I've come to understand more. And now I feel like I'm understanding it to a whole other level and, and having that understanding about myself is has helping me to make different choices with how I interact with people, with the support I allow myself to have. And that understanding of self, especially in these dark times, um, you know, I'm noticing it, it can make or break the days, right. It can make, and, and in these days that are, you know, the ups and downs of, of riding the waves of grief is, um, you know, I, I was telling somebody about this, that it's helping me reshape the story. I'm, I'm telling myself about this experience too. Yeah. And, and that's huge too. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, sometimes I wonder, you know, what would it be like if as a culture, we didn't overlay this template of, you know, needing to kind of be back in control and look good again and have all that messiness tidied up in a productive way so that we can kind of march out with our smiles on. If we didn't kind of, if the ethos didn't expect that from us, would, would it give us even as individuals more opportunity to say, you know, like, you know, how are you garbage? Like I'm in a really hard place rather than fine. I'm great. You know, could we then feel like it might be give us more permission to do exactly what you're saying, right? To kind of get curious about what are my ways in? How do I move in this as a person? And, you know, the book is so much about that conversation of we've kind of given ourselves one image for how to face the darkness in life. And it's pick up your sword, be conquering hero, be willfully subdue it, be, be victorious. And, you know, that heroic energy can take other forms, it right. doesn't have to look like Rambo. We don't have to subdue everything. You know, it, it can be, you know, to listen is a heroic, can be a heroic act. And, you know, the myths that I unpack in the story really start kind of teasing out that, that offering of, hey, how, how do I relate to this? What is unique about my own self for how I manage, understand, be with what's happening so painfully in myself and in the world so that you get a chance to make it yours? Because then you can... Yeah you, like you're saying, right, then you can change your story. Then you can be with it in a different way. Yeah. And it doesn't have the heaviness or the weight that you might expect (laughs) that comes with it. Right. Cause there's, it's still there, but it's when we're not adding to it with our own internal interpretation in a way that's in, you know, denying what's happening or pretending it's not there, trying to wrap it up all tight and perfect. Um, that stress of that comes off the situation too. Yeah. And you talk, your book weaves in myths and archetypes. Can you talk a little bit about this and, or about that and about how you, why you chose to tell the story in that way? So the, the, the archetypal basis in this book, um, an archetype kind of as a psychological term, um, archetype comes from the Greek archi, which means first or first principle. And it's, it's the idea that in our unconscious, so the kind of part of ourselves that's not accessible to our conscious sense of I, our ego, in that wellspring of space, there are these kind of pre-existing forms that kind of structure the psyche on a base level that repeat themselves over and over through time, through history, without 
you know, any connection. So the way that I kind of imagine an archetype is a vessel. Mm-hmm. So you get a form of an idea, right? Like mother, father, love, child, war, you know, these ideas that we kind of as a human species have repeated outside of our geographer, our geographical connection, you know, in our literature and our art throughout eons, that, that vessel, we all kind of have the idea of, okay, what is mother, right? We all expect Mm -hmm. that kind of nourishment, the containment, the, the, the kind of creative life energy of love, of support, of foundation, but who we are, right? What our life experiences are, what our culture comes from, the time we come from that we're going to pour different liquid in that vessel. Mm -hmm. The archetypal expression is going to look different, but the core, right? The idea is the same. Right. And so what I think is so important about working at the archetypal level of things is we are fine. Like by doing so we're getting into like the deep structures, the deep stories that don't need us to kind of have a personal relevancy. You know, we, we just get them right. So by telling myth and pulling on the archetype, when I say, you know, when we talk about a hero that journeys into the underworld who, you know, can't, can't give up what is like, I'm just pull out an example, like let's say Orpheus, who's a hero who can't really give up. He journeys into the underworld to um, re reclaim his deceased bride because he can't live without her. And in doing though, he kind of, his actions give us this image, this archetypal way of understanding. What is it like when you can't accept fate before you and you go into the, the great journeys of life to reverse the mistakes of that, which you can't control. So everyone can hear that mythic pattern and say, well, I do that in this way. And I do that in this way. And this happened in this way. And it's so universal and so connecting, but it's also enormously nuanced. And so I think telling myth and telling archetype, we, we seat into that, that part of our being that repeats itself over and over in all of our psyches that we get. And you're able to kind of pour your own liquid into that vessel to say, oh yeah, you know, this is me in this form. I can notice this energy in me and who else can notice it because they probably will, but it might look really different. Right. And so at the end of each chapter, you have those questions, those, those reflective questions for, for the readers to be able to understand that journey in their own lives. And, and like we talked about with that self-awareness as if you're willing to do this kind of work, I think, you know, this some people aren't willing to do it. And, and that's, that's their choice. Um, kind of like the person who said, you know, we avoid this by no longer loving, um, you know, mm-hmm. I think you're, we're missing a part of our life or the human experience if we're not willing to go here, but when you're willing to go and explore this and, and maybe at first it's like a toe in, right? Like you're just dipping mm-hmm. a toe in and, and kind of going and so you can build your, your comfort level up with it. But if you're willing to go, to go there and, really start to under, understand yourself in this way. Um, and I'm speaking from my own journey, but being able to have the awareness of, 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 of myself, my patterns, my behaviors, understand, like, like for me, it always, it showed up in my life as me saying I wanted something, but then ending up doing the exact opposite in some way that was a little bit subtle that I, it wasn't quite so obvious to me. Right. But then when I, when I started doing this kind of work and being able to really understand the darker parts of myself and not always dig into exactly the why so much, but understanding and recognizing the pattern. So when that pattern comes up, 
I'm at a choice point, right? I can, usually I didn't know the choice until I was 10 miles down the road and looking back, you know, that's how it was in the earlier parts of my life. But now, now I'm at the point where I can feel myself. Am I, for example, wanting to run away and be alone? Am I, and then the, the irony of that, of, of saying the, that I, or, um, the fear of being alone and all that, like my behavior was everything pointing at wanting to be alone. But if I talk to you or I talk to anybody and, and spending years in therapy, I would say, I don't want to be alone. Why am I alone? Right. But then my actions were, were showing otherwise, but being at that choice point where I, I have it. And I felt this throughout the past couple of weeks. Like I have a choice. Do I want to turn and go towards that old behavior of being alone? Or am I willing to, to go just a little bit of a different way? Do, do one thing a little bit differently. Right. And that, that feel it, it can sound when you're talking about it. So minor, like what's the big deal, but it, it, it it's huge. It's huge when you can break those patterns and have do something different. It's enormous. You know, I, I joke with my clients because everybody asks for cures, right? And, yeah. you yeah. know, and I, and I will never give them because I don't have them. Right, <laughs> right. You know, and I always joke, like, con- I always say, like, consciousness is the cure. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. if you're looking for it, it's being aware of what is going on in you in a deep level, then you get choice. If you don't, the unconscious will be compulsive in you. You'll just yeah. do it. And you'll look back and say, well, why did I do that for 50 years? Right. And it's like, well, what part of yourself that you didn't ask was really directing that and you weren't aware of it. And so to shine that light, you know, and and that makes me, that like makes me think of in the book, you know, I think this idea of underworld, we, you know, whether it's the suffering in life or deep places in life, we always think of it as negative. Right. And And, you know, the, the deep and dark places are also where the treasure rests. You know, I, as a therapist in my own, like what I see as a clinician, but also, you know, just in my personal life and my friends, I, you know, I've yet to be disproved on this and maybe I will be totally open to it, but I've yet to meet anybody that has found something in themselves that we're not going to put positive or negative on it, but just had more capacity, more awareness of who they are, more fullness, more breadth as a being that happened in the daylight when they were comfortable and they weren't pushed into corners that stretch them. It doesn't happen in that place. Right. You get into this almost like this choice of, do I want to know myself on a deep level and, and be able to kind of handle who I am truly. And if I do, then guess what? I've got to go within because that dark place that I'm not familiar with is where the treasure, you know, as Joseph Campbell said, so hard to attain rests. Right. So why do you think people avoid, avoid going there? I mean, I know why I did for so many years, but what do you, what, what do you think? Hmm. I think it's so, there's so many reasons. Um, Sometimes I, sometimes, I mean, gosh, there's so many reasons, right? It's, it's like, maybe we're afraid of what we are losing control. We're afraid of feeling what we don't think we can understand in ourselves. Maybe we can't go there yet because whatever we're experiencing is too loose and too uncontained and it won't benefit us. Um, you know, maybe we're afraid of what people will think we'll look like if we do that, what we might become, you know, one of the things that, I I feel a lot in in the kind of self-discovery realm is almost this fear of your own capacity and potential. Yeah. Like I once, I once had this, um, it was when I was getting my clinical hours, it was a long time ago. And and this, we were talking about all these changes with this, um, this person I was working with 
And they said very vulnerably, and it's always kind of stuck with me. They were like, I understand everything that we're talking about. And if I do those things, I won't know who I am anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Who am I without this stuff or this, these behaviors or or whatever it might be? It's it's like, what might I, you know, I think we, we have this fantasy that will change. Right. Mm -hmm. I always feel like you don't really change. You just become more of who you are. And maybe that is a transformation or a, a, a change, so to speak. But I think for a lot of people, it's, and I can feel that in my own self of almost like, if you really step into the capacity of your own being, that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. And I, for me, it was the fear of looking at it, that it was going to be more painful than just living with it. Like I was so afraid of looking at it that I didn't think I could handle it. I didn't want to for many, many years. I didn't want to, I just wanted it to go away. I just wanted it to go away. And so I spent 20 some years trying everything I could to get that to happen. And it never went away. And there was then it was actually in 2020 where, you know, I was alone with myself. I mean, we were all alone with ourselves then, you know, and I was like, well, I guess it's time to look at this and, you know, the unpacking of it. And when I went through what I went through, um, back then, I remember laughing with the person I was working with. And I'm like, I made this in my mind as if this was some going to be some terrible, painful thing, right? It was going to be like stabbing me all over the place. And I said, the holding back from it or the, with like the pretending or the resisting was way worse all these years than just going through it. Yeah. You know, it's, I think if I'm in awe of anything that I witness as a clinician in the psyche is how much life force it takes to repress ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's when people start kind of, you know, loosening the rocks that are blocking the kind of flow of the water in the stream, so to speak. Mm-hmm it's so astounding what becomes available for them in who they are. Because if you think of those things that you're so afraid of facing in yourself or in life and all your life force is going towards just like holding that door back, holding that door back. Yes. Exhausting. Yeah. You know, I I tell this story or this myth in the book, but it, it, it reminds me of what you're saying in, in the, um, in the Greek world, there's this figure called the Minotaur who is kind of half man, half bull. And, um, he's, you know, born for these various reasons and he's locked on, in this labyrinth, um, under the city of Crete. And he's kind of this like flesh eating monster. And there's all these sacrifices made to him, obviously a scary devouring figure. Mm-hmm. And his name is Asterion, which means starlight. Mm-hmm. And that's the image that I always kind of have for this is like, yes, we look at the things in ourselves and are they terrifying, like monster beasts that you're like, I won't, it will devour me and consume me. I can't. Yeah. But when you face that, it's oftentimes starlight. Like it can be something beautiful. It can be something like, wait a second, is this what I've been afraid of all this time? You know, and, and we don't really know what it is until we look at it. And And I think for the psyche, right. A lot of the times when we lock things away in ourselves, the psyche turns up the volume by making them scarier, more intense. And then they're pounding on our doors and dressed up like monsters. And really they're, they're not any of those things. Right. And that, that repression or that holding back, like you were talking about, like sucking the life out of you and, and really, you know, to me afterwards, it felt like, like a waste of time. Like, why did I waste my time doing that for all the years? But, you know, I didn't know any better and I wasn't willing to at that point. And so, um, and with the, like the self, my friend and I used to call it, like, we would terrorize ourselves with our thoughts, right? Like we would have these loops going on in our head and they would be, um, you know, cause even more suffering. And you mentioned even earlier about, you know, the societal desire to get, 
back on track, get it buttoned up, get, get, put the smile back on your face. And what I've found for myself in the past couple of weeks too, that surprised me is that even though I'm not doing that, other people are trying to get me to do that because they are so uncomfortable with my, the state that I'm in. And that was surprising to me. You know, and that to kind of take us back to our very first question, like that is where this book comes from is my experience of that. You know, the book comes from, I mean, it's a weaving of a lot of my own, you know, underworld moments, but the massive one is my younger brother's brain injury. And when, when he was in a coma and, you know, I would hear people come, all the nurses, all the doctors, my friends, you know, people, family members coming and being like, you know, you'll be fine. Like, he's a good person. He'll be fine. Be a hero, be strong. Like, you know, you guys will fight this. You guys will beat this. Like, you know, you just, just, you know, like get every, like everybody can be okay. This, this urgency to just kind of put, put you back up where you're okay. I'm more comfortable with that. And it was like, nothing going on right here is okay. Right. Why, why can't I feel that this is terrible? Yes. and like, why are in, you know, in the social, that, that kind of cultural piece, right? Because they're not allowed to, they're uncomfortable with their own. I mean, you can see all of that projection and it really seeded this curiosity in me of like, why isn't everybody, anybody sitting down in front of me and being like, Hey, what you're experiencing is a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. Or not even, yeah. are you okay? What's happening for you? Or, you know, and, and it was, it really, you know, and, it, and when I did the research for this, one of the things that I thought was really fascinating was, so I read all this primary material and, you know, I chose the kind of Greek pantheon mythically, because it is kind of the forerunner to the Western mind. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I'm a part of that, but so all these underworld journeys, right? You have all these mythic figures, gods and heroes alike that go in and out of the underworld. And, you know, in their description, they go into the underworld. So all this stuff is happening. And then they're in the wonder world and all of this stuff is happening. And there is a couple exceptions to this, but almost all of them, when they come back up in the underworld, it's just like a sentence or two. Yeah. And it made me, it was so interesting for me of this feeling of like, even our original stories are so tentative around what is the process of of coming back up because the ascent the integration of learning how to live with your loss your pain the complexes in you the parts of your shadow all of that that's the work yeah yeah you know and i just it's fascinating it it is and it's also it's like we said like you were referring to the person who said about the changes and they're like, I don't know who I am if I'm not these things. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like, I feel like it's a relearning of, of who I am now. And anybody with losses, I'm, I'm sure experienced that it's that, that relearning. And that's the, um, as we were talking about with people's discomfort and, and trying to get you, you're okay. It's going to be okay. Right. And that, and, and there's so much, I think when, when we're relearning who we are and maybe we're not doing things the same or we're not Mm-hmm. showing up the same, right. The, and then I, I guess I would say for anybody listening, if you're, if you know somebody going through that, um, let them go through it, you know, let, yeah. let, let us all go through our, our grief or our suffering in, in, in our way and, um, stop trying to fix it for us. <laughs> and that's, that's the double underscore highlight, right. Is the fix it. And, yeah. you know, I, you know, you know, I'm sure you've heard this before. People will be like, Oh, you know, like, I don't really know what to say to somebody when, yeah. You know, someone loses somebody or, you know, gets a terminal illness. It's like, 
Well, the problem and why you don't have anything to say is because the expectation is that you have some solution to something yeah. that doesn't have an answer. Right. right. And, and it's, it's like, if you can come from the part of your being that is not trying to fix something, solve it or make it better and just can acknowledge that that's happening to somebody, you will know exactly what to say. Right. My cousin said the best thing to me. She said, I love you. I'm here for you. That was all yeah. she had to say. That was perfect. Yeah. That was exactly what I wanted. I didn't know I wanted to hear it, but when I heard that, I was like, that, that's the best thing anybody could have said to me. Yeah. Um, what would you say surprised you the most about this process of writing your book and, and bringing this to life? The time, mm-hmm. you know, I think the, and, and maybe it's also just my own nature, but yeah. You know, you, you see it, you, it's like, you have a big, exciting idea and you love it. And it's full of passion and here is your idea. And then it's like, year one, year two, you know, yeah. Yeah. the, the, the gr- like the grind of it, the man, the, the reality of manifestation and, yeah. you know, trying to keep yourself excited and passionate about that diligence when, you know, especially I feel like, you know, the editing process and, you know, getting the book to a place where you're marketing it you know, the publisher buys it. And then it's like their editor send you the first draft and you're like, I can't read this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done. It's, it's, I've, <laughs> I've read this too many times. I can't even see the words anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the amount of energy, you know, yeah. and, and, and the duration of it. And, and I think just that, that toil and, um, yeah, it's impressive. I mean, it's an impressive amount of time. I think any, any, any craft of creation is like that, but yeah, yes. I had a long incubation period. I always like asking that question to guests because the creation process, it's it's kind of like what we were talking about with the the suffering or, or being okay mm-hmm. again, right? We want people, sometimes we want ourselves to be okay and hurry up and be okay. And it's like with creation, just, I want it to hurry up and get done, right? I just want it out there. Like I want this thing done, yeah. right? And there's the tending to, like you talk about in the book and there's, there's all of that, that that's required of um, even things that we, the positive side of things in life too. So it's, it's really interesting to, um, to think about, I think in that way that there's, there's, um, there's effort in it. Yeah. In, in, in things in life that you care about. And, um, yeah. Um, I I feel like, you know, I, you know, to add to that, it's like, you know, there's so much of that momentum. I think for me, sometimes this sounds silly to say, and, but like, I don't really think I realized that I wrote a book until it came out. Yeah. And you had it. Oh my God. Well now what, like, great is the effort over now it's a different effort and this enormous kind of vulnerability of seeing, you know, people being like, I read your book and it's, and it's exciting and it's meaningful. And for, you know, like to have people like you say, it touched something in me in any way is so it's so rewarding for me. And it's enormously terrifying, like to bring your, bring that creation into the world and have people's opinions and, I think about that every week when I record a show <laughs> I mean, sure. even I've done this for five years or going on six now. So it is, but it's, it's important. And, and, and I always, you know, I, I've talked about this on the show too, about creation and bringing your ideas to life. Um, think about when, you know, when you have an idea and, and you, you don't follow through or you don't bring it to life, you never know what people are missing out on what you had to offer. And it's the same when you do bring something to life, you never know who's, you're not going to know every single life that you touched, but creating creating what is important to you and bringing it to life is, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it touches people. And, and that's an important, I think, thing to remember for, for people who, who want to create or are in the process. Yeah. Just a couple of questions before we wrap up, who would you say your book would appeal to and why? I would say my, my book is a very easy fit 
for anyone who's interested, the, the psychology that this book is kind of embedded in is, is, is Jungian psychology. So anybody who comes from a Jungian or an archetypal background and is interested in psyche, they're going to pick it up and be like, oh yeah, this is great. Um, but it is not for that audience. And I've mm-hmm. worked really hard to not have it be that. Um, so I think more broadly, I mean, maybe back into the easy fit quality. It's like anyone who's interested in myth. I mean, if you've read, whether it's a popular myth book, that's, you know, like Circe or some of the retellings that are coming out right now, or if you're just interested in, in story and fairy tale, like it's, it's so rich in that. And Mm -hmm. that will be a really cool way for you probably to get curious about yourself and, you know, ways into your own experience but I would say like most largely, even if you're not already interested in those ideas, if you're, if you're the type of person that is, is, wants to kind of know more about who they are when they experience themselves either at a deep level or through real suffering, mm-hmm. this is a good book for you. It's, yeah. a, it's about kind of finding the different ways in which these these mythic patterns, these archetypes could be available in you that you could notice in yourself. If you want to kind of open the lid, get underneath the table, get curious about yourself, it's, it's, it's digestible and it's meant for that audience. If you're looking for, you know, like a quick fix and you want somebody to kind of like break down tips to how to make some changes in yourself, it's not going to meet that need. Right. Yeah. And, and I have to say, I mean, I'm not that familiar with myths. I mean, I'm aware, I don't know the various gods and, um, you know, archetypes that are portrayed, but I I did find the way that you approach that very easy to understand and very easy to apply it in my life. So Mm -hmm. not having that background, I was still able to pick it up and understand Mm -hmm. and have it make sense for me and what I'm going through. So I really appreciated that. Yeah. My guest this week has been Dr. Joanna Laprede, author of the book, Forged in Darkness, The Many Paths of Personal Transformation. Before we close out, do you have a final thought you want to leave with the listeners about journeying journeying into the underworld and building a relationship with the darkness? Final thought. You know, (laughs) I, I would say like no one wants to go into the underworld, right? Like I, I wouldn't, I mean, I'm, I'm not coming at this from like a perspective of like glowy bright siding that says like the deep and dark is what's up. Right. These are the hardest, scariest, most vulnerable places in ourself. And at the other side of that is it's like with light, there is dark, there is no access to our fullness without this part. And I think, you know, that's a scary idea in itself, yeah. but you know, to live a full life, these experiences are going to happen to you. And so instead of being blindsided by the injustice that the underworld showed itself in your life, you know, to start building a relationship with it, whether you're acutely in darkness or are just kind of living a life, start now so that you can find your way into those places so that when they show up, you can know who you are in them, even when you get annihilated and everything in you feels like it's changing. And so to me, I guess like the final message is like almost this question of like, do you really have a choice? Uh, Right. Yeah. And, and like, I know I mentioned this earlier, but I think it's worth mentioning again about understanding that 
just because you go through this, you, d- you didn't do anything wrong. It is a part of life. And if okay. you can understand that and you can, like you have explained it in the book, um, it, I'm not going to say it makes the process easier, but it helps to change your perspective on what you're going through. And for me, at least it's helped. Um, it's kind of like we talked about wasting that energy of fighting off the resistance of not wanting to go there and expending all that energy on, on that. I feel like my energy, my focus of my energy has moved away from feeling, even asking those questions. Why did this happen to me? Why do I have to go through this? I'm too young to experience, you know, all of this stuff. It, it is, it has helped me, I guess, not waste the energy on that because that those aren't the right questions. They're not the right questions. And yeah. you know, the, 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 the Greeks, which I think eventually became very existential term, have this term called amorphati, which means love of fate. And it kind of means the active principle of just kind of choosing to em- embrace, find meaning, find acceptance in what fate offers you. And yeah. it's, it's, the, it's what you're saying, right? Of you don't get the remote control that takes right. it back. Like right. if I had one, trust me, I'd have used it a lot in this life. Like we right. all want that, but we don't get it. And so right. now what? Right. Right. The, right. Why the, the injustice of it, they're not the right questions. Like you don't yeah. get what you're after through that. Right. Yeah. And we can waste a lot of time and energy and spend a lot of years on that. And, um, yeah. so yeah, that's, um, it's been amazing to talk to you. I could talk to you for hours, especially on this topic and what I'm going through right now. Um, I am proud of myself. I, I, I didn't cry. So I was proud of myself for that. I was trying not to do that during this, um, before we wrap up, can you tell the listeners how they can find out more about you and your book? Um, you know, so my book, you can buy my book, you know, anywhere books are sold, you know, your local bookstore, Amazon, any of the major kind of book depositories online. Um, my private practice is called ion psychotherapy. A-I-O-N psychotherapy. So that.com, um, my own website, kind of more about myself, um, some, you know, links to interviews that I've done. Also, I have like a cute little page that you can click on various things to buy the book. So um, that's a good way to kind of find out more as my own kind of personal hub. So. Okay, great. And I'll put all the links in the show notes so listeners yeah. can find you. Awesome. Thank you again for joining us. It was great yeah, to have thank you here. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the Create What You Speak podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and your favorite podcasting platform. I'm Sloan Fremont, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of the Create What You Speak podcast, where we will continue to free our minds, expand our consciousness, and untangle those thoughts and patterns that keep us from living the life we desire. Check out my website, sloanfremont.com, to learn more.